Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on KSCW. The show covering all things health, wellness, culture, and more. The show for all of us who aren't old, we're better. Each week we'll interview superstars, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all related to this wonderful experience of getting better, not just older. Now, here's your host, the award-winning Paul Vogelzang. Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Science Makes Us Safer series, our guest today is Dr. Stephen Grand. Dr. Stephen Grand is a neuroscientist and is formerly the Senior Program Officer at the National Institute on Drug Abuse at the National Institutes of Health. And we'll be examining today what the research on cannabidiol or CBD, and more importantly, what the science has discovered about this elusive chemical's potential benefits for chronic pain and the potential risks. Pain can be physical. It can also be emotional. And we're going to talk today about physical pain, and we're going to discuss the science of CBD and how CBD can help with pain. We're going to talk about the physical pain today, and we're going to discuss the science of CBD and how CBD can help manage chronic pain. People with chronic pain are increasingly turning to cannabis or CBD, which of course is an ingredient in marijuana and hemp, but it does not produce the high. We're going to get into all of that. But in 2020, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, reviewed hundreds of studies published and published their own article titled The Role of Cannabidiol, CBD, in Chronic Pain Management and found substantial evidence for its use, the use of CBD in chronic pain. Additionally, the NIH found that cannabis and CBD can be helpful and relatively safe for older adults specifically. I'm going to put up citations to these research studies in our notes today on the website so that you can find them for yourselves. But CBD may cause dizziness or confusion in high doses. It may affect blood pressure and heart rate. It can interact with other medications such as blood thinners and anti-seizure drugs. If you want to try CBD for pain, be sure to tell your primary care provider and start low and go slow. Your primary care provider can help with finding the right dose that helps you with your pain symptoms. Of the more than 100 related chemicals that are found in the cannabis plants, cannabidiol, CBD, has become almost as well known as tetrahydrocannabidiol, THC. Again, that is the chemical that produces the high. But seemingly overnight, the landscape has changed with information about CBD. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But now, CBD is widely available in retail stores and websites. It has suddenly emerged as a popular consumer product. But despite the claims, and even some of this research that we will discuss, it has been difficult to demonstrate exactly what CBD does. It neither produces the high, like THC, as I mentioned, nor does it have the same biological actions. And although promoted as a remedy for a wide variety of conditions, only one CBD product has received FDA approval for the treatment of a specific type of severe childhood epilepsy. Hmm. Much remains unknown about the effects of CBD, the mechanisms, the long-term consequences, and the legality of CBD. We're going to be talking to Dr. Stephen Grant about all of that and more, so please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on KSCW, Dr. Stephen Grant. Dr. Grant has a brief disclaimer, 
and then we will proceed with the interview. Okay, um, let me just clarify that I am no longer at the National Institute on Drug Abuse. I retired at the end of February this year, and I am doing some work now as director of research for the Hefter Research Institute. All right, good. I'm ready to go if you are. Ready when you are, CB. (laughs) Okay, good. Dr. Stephen Grant, welcome back to the program. Good to be here. Good to talk to you. We're going to talk again. We've talked previously, and this has been a real favorite, as you have been, of our audience, the subject of uh, cannabidiol and CBD and THC. But let's just start right at the very basic level. What is in a cannabis plant? I think that might be a good place to just kind of set the tone. Okay. The first um, point is the cannabis plant. Cannabis is the uh, botanical name for the species of plant more commonly referred to as marijuana. So there are two species of cannabis plant, sativa and indica. For this uh, podcast, I will reuse cannabis to refer to both species today. I'm not going to make a differentiation. Cannabis plants are also referred to as hemp when the plant is being used to make fiber products, rope, or clothing. And we'll get into the legal definition of hemp later on in the podcast. But they're all cannabis plants. Like all living things, cannabis plants are composed of chemicals. And chemicals that are found in plants are called phytochemicals. The cannabis plant contains thousands of chemicals. But the two that have received the most attention are tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. That's the chemical responsible for the intoxication effects, the high, and the abuse potential associated with cannabis. CBD, cannabidiol, um, which is one of the main focuses of this talk, is the second most prominent chemical in the cannabis plants. And Chemicals from cannabis plants are often called cannabinoids, that is, from cannabis plants. Most are not characterized. There are hundreds of other chemicals, particularly related to the chemical structure of THC and CBD. For example, a new cannabinoid was discovered a couple of months ago, THCP, which is present in very low concentrations, but seems to be more powerful than THC. Cannabis, like other plants, also contain chemicals known as terpenes, which provide odor and flavor, like the characteristic skunk smell of cannabis smoke. So when you see cannabis products described as having a certain odor, a lemony or citrus smell or a skunky smell, that's because of terpenes. And terpenes are found in many, many plants. That's what give pine um, products their characteristic smell. So more recently, hemp has been given a more precise legal definition in the Farm Bill of 2018 as a cannabis plant with less than 0.3% THC, that is the chemical responsible for the cannabis high. And this legal definition of hemp has had a big impact on the CBD market, which I will get to later in the, the talk. So 
is that straight? Is that clear? That is. That's helpful to know about the plant, and um, especially the most recent change to uh, the farm bill and the level of THC in the hemp plants. So maybe now let's drill down into the differences between CBD and THC because there are chemical difference, there's a pharmacological difference, and then, of course, there's this uh, psychological uh, difference too. So maybe give us that definition. Sure. So interestingly, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, and cannabidiol have nearly identical chemical structures. They're exactly the same except for one spot on the molecule. But this small change makes a major difference in the effects of these two drugs. Looking at these two chemicals as drugs, the pharmacological properties, both are highly soluble in oil, meaning they um, dissolve in oil, but not in water. And both can be inhaled in smoke or vapor, taken orally, applied topically. The amount that enters the body can vary widely depending on how it's taken. So if you take it orally, half of CBD leaves the body in about a day and a half, about the same for THC. Faster for inhalation, slower for oral. But with continued use, it can take longer, maybe one to two weeks for half of the uh, chemicals to leave the body. And you can have detectable levels in the body for about a week and a half due to it being absorbed into fatty tissue. The same with THC. And this represents an issue with drug testing because you can be, you could take um, either CBD or THC uh, one day and you're no longer intoxicated several hours later, but you still have detectable levels in your body. And so this is a, a point of controversy in terms of drug testing for THC. One of the major takeaways from this talk is that CBD can interact with the metabolism of a wide variety of, of commonly used drugs, not just psychoactive drugs, because they're all metabolized in the same family of enzymes in the liver. Uh, clinical trials have found a very, very small likelihood of developing liver dysfunction at relatively high doses of CBD. So there, there is this small metabolic um, risk with CBD and with THC, um, but in terms of developing liver disease, it's nothing like uh, what you get with alcohol. This is changing so rapidly, and you, you referenced the Farm Bill of 2018. So what are the differences in federal regulations for CBD versus THC at, at the federal level? Okay, so first let me mention the psychological effects, uh, because that's relevant to this issue of the Farm Bill. For many years, THC was referred to as the active ingredient in cannabis. We really didn't know very much more. And THC is responsible for the high, as I said before. In contrast, CBD does not have very much subjective effects, uh, apart from um, sedation, which is why it's being promoted as a sleep aid. But even sedation takes relatively high doses. 
So if CBD is a drug, what is it good for? Or why would anybody take it? Um, it's partly because it has a there it has a now recognized therapeutic effect to reduce seizures in children using um, a product called Epidiolex, which has been approved by the FDA uh, for epilepsy in children. Um, but that is not what is widely available to most consumers. That's a very niche, small specialty medical application, but it is an FDA approved indication. And this is important because there is uh, a thought that the farm bill made CBD legal. That's not quite correct. So CBD is legal, um, but not because of the farm bill. So both THC and CBD have approved medical uses according to the FDA, but they're very narrow, as I said before. So there is a synthetic version of THC that is um, available in two forms that have been approved by the FDA for very, very restricted um, medical indications. And CBD has been approved by for the product Epidiolex, which is manufactured by GW Pharmaceuticals, which is an extract of a cannabis plant where the extract contains less than 0.1% THC. In 2019, Epidiolex received FDA approver, approval as prescription medication, as I mentioned, for seizures. But the DEA has concluded that synthetic, if it was made in a test tube, CBD is still Schedule One, So it's kind of confusing. And because FDA has approved Epidiolex as a medical product, legally at the federal level, that precludes um, the any CBD product being used to um, being used to um, as a dietary supplement. So what you see on consumer shelves are not um, approved products. So there's a contradiction here. If it's a approved therapeutic drug, it cannot be a dietary supplement. Mm -hmm. That distinction is one that FDA requires. So there is this FDA yes. approval for Epidiolex that's used for seizures, primarily for children in epilepsy. What we see on the shelves of various stores uh, in any with any degree of CBD included is not a legal use of the of CBD as a product. Is that right? Um, according to the FDA, and the FDA has okay. a, has issued a, an advisory, it's publicly available on their website that explains this regulatory conundrum. <laughs> right. This is just a myriad of regulations between DEA, FDA. You add to this the 
the epilepsy uh, approvals. Is CBD considered a controlled substance then at the federal level? Well, again, if you talk about CBD as an approved FDA therapeutic drug, it, is, it was initially controlled. It was initially put into Schedule 5, which is the lowest level of scheduling, meaning it has therapeutic value, but uh, very low abuse liability. And in fact, during the review of CB, of Epidiolex by the, um, D, uh, by the FDA, they concluded that it had it that it has negligible abuse potential. But for a, a number of regulatory reasons, it was initially put into Schedule 5. Um, it, now that it's been out for two years, uh, nearly three years, uh, the it has been decontrolled. So Epidiolex is no longer considered a controlled substance. That's CBD derived from plant material with less than 0.1% THC content. Okay. Because of this difference, because of FDA's restriction on CBD, this idea of the legal dietary supplement, um, it, it is just a an area of growing concern and confusion. What what advice do you offer to our – how do we just stay away well, from it? Well, I – I am not a doctor, I'm not a physician, and I am not a qualified medical, you know, qualified to give medical advice. Um, so I would, I approach it this way. You have all these consumer products. This is similar to the state, uh, we've gone through this before. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, before the Food and Drug Act was passed, there were a lot of products available on the shelves, patent medicines. And then in the 30s, there were a lot of products that were based on hormones that were widely available. The problem is that is really quality control and consumer protection. That for um, consumer protection, there is if something is not a therapeutic drug, if something is not a dietary supplement, if something is not a food, then there is no regulatory oversight. And this led um, to a number of studies where people, where various labs have taken shelf uh, products off the shelf and run analysis on them. And they found that there is wide variation in the CBD content of these uh, various formulations. And so what it says on the bottle label may not be accurate because there's no regulatory oversight or mandated testing. Uh, for, For therapeutic drugs, there is very stringent quality control. For dietary supplements, it's allowed, you can have plus or minus 20% higher or lower than what it says on the label. So if it says 10 milligrams on the label for a vitamin, 
the pills can be 20 or 20 percent higher or lower than that um but for the cbd products there's no regulation so in 2015 the fda reported uh, that only 10 percent of products had cbd amounts shown on the label and three products they tested contained CBD, uh, THC levels above the level allowed for the farm bill for hemp products. In 2017, there was another study in the Journal of American Medical Association that tested 84 products obtained online. One third of the products were accurately labeled. 40% had more CBD than on the label, 20% had less, and 20% had THC above the limit. And this has been, there have been several more reports, some media um, stations, CBS Network did some testing. Um, and again, the results are, have been variable. So that is the main cautionary note. You, you cannot be sure that what it says on the box or label is actually what you're taking. We really have a case here of caveat, you know, we, we need to be aware of this and it's almost buyer beware. What is the science saying about the safety of CBD? Is it safe? When Epidiolex went through FDA approval, remember F, uh, Epidiolex is CBD extracted from cannabis plants that has less than 0.1% THC. And they tested, um, the FDA uh, required doing what is called a human abuse uh, potential study. And they, give, they gave several times higher than what the therapeutic amount is. And they saw no adverse events and not very much in the way of subjective events. The only safety concern that was raised during um, the review of Epidiolex was this very, very small risk of, of a liver, a potential liver dysfunction. But since Epidiolex has been in the market, there have not been reports of Epidiolex leading to any kind of liver disease. And it's important to note that Epidiolex is prescribed at 700 to 1500 milligrams for children. And they tested up to 4,500 milligrams, way, way high. So that's a whopping amount. Most consumer products are somewhere in the, uh, somewhere around five to 15 to 25 milligrams in a capsule or product. So the FDA has tested a CBD containing compound at very high levels and has not found very much in the way of um, abuse potential or um, physiological toxicity. So you talked a little bit about the seizures and the effectiveness for CBD. Is CBD effective beyond that? Are, is there 
Are, are there clinical studies that have been done? Is there evidence to prove that there is some effectiveness of the CBD products? So since the since um, CBD uh, for seizures has um, developed, which you know has been going on for a number of years now, I think that the initial reports of anti-seizure activity from research labs um, was a good while ago, in the 1980s, when CBD was first found and and it was seen that it could uh, reduce seizures. And um, it wasn't until 2006 when a strain of cannabis called Charlotte's Web was developed to treat a particular um, young baby um, who was having up to 300 seizures a week. And as a last resort, this was tried, and that led to the development of Epidiolex. So since then, there has been immense interest in the therapeutic potential for CBD, especially because unlike THC, it does not produce a subjective high and therefore does not have very much in the way of abuse Mm -hmm. potential. So pain, inflammation, some... For pain, Mm -hmm. inflammation. So there has been an exponential rise in scientific publications since 2006. Um, A search of PubMed, the biomedical literature, um, revealed 4,000 publications to date that mention CBD. 2,000 of those are studies in some way, shape, or form in humans. Um, NIH, National Institutes of Health, has funded 129 research grants, both um, spanning animals and in humans, on CBD, including a research center of excellence on cannabinoids at the University of California at Irvine. Most of these projects involve basic research or test in test tubes or animals. But there are also hundreds of clinical trials registered in clinicaltrials.gov. When I did a search the other day for this, um, I found 770 trials listed for CBD as of this month. And that's up from 200 trials that I found in early 2020, just a year ago. This is at clinicaltrials.gov. This is clinicaltrials.gov, which mm-hmm. is a public access, a publicly available database. Anybody can go there, type in CBD or cannabidiol, and see what trials are up there. Now, a lot of those trials are either not active or not recruiting, but still, a hundred and over 150 trials are actively recruiting, and the conditions include a. Uh, a lot of psychiatric conditions, anxiety, PTSD, uh, sleep disorders, pain, as you mentioned, inflammation is a major target, and also gastrointestinal disorders. Fascinating subject, Dr. Grant. We sure appreciate your time. We would love to have you back. I can just tell that this is going to be a changing landscape for CBD Difficult to demonstrate exactly what CBD does, but nonetheless, there's a lot of trials that are going on, a lot of potential proof, a lot of papers, as you say, are being written about this subject. So 
I can imagine that there'll be a lot of change here uh, coming very soon. And perhaps we can get you back on and talk a little bit more about uh, CBD and what it means to our audience. I'd be glad to do that. Um, It is a rapidly changing area. Results are being published every single day. And there there will have to be some balance struck between the availability of CBD products for consumers and what is um, designated as an approved therapeutic use. Dr. Stephen Grant, thank you very much again for your time. Lots of myths, lots of misunderstanding about this area, but we're going to get to the bottom of this with you, and we sure appreciate this good start. So we'll, we'll have you back soon. Okay, great. Good talking to you, Paul. My thanks to Dr. Stephen Grant for his time, expertise, and thoughtful preparation in joining me today about a complex subject. My thanks always to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show here on KSCW. Of course, my thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience here on KSCW. Please keep your emails coming to me at info at notold-better.com. You can check out our website and find that address again, but it is info at notold-better.com. I always enjoy hearing about the music that you like. Suggest some other songs, and we'll play them here on the show in our intro. But remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show on KSCW. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.